Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Marvel Guys Podcast. I am Jordan, your host, and as always, on my left is the Bucky to my Sam. How are we doing tonight, Spencer? Well, excellent. This is, a uh, man, this was such an awesome episode. Like, probably the greatest episode of anything so far in any show. <laughs> I like, like the, co- the context of that is yeah. the greatest episode of anything. <laughs> dot dot dot, dot. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I mean we watched it earlier today and uh, this was the first time we watched it separately and so we both were you know wanting to text about it wanting to talk about it but we saved all of our thoughts for this podcast mm-hmm. um i i couldn't wait like i just wanted to talk there were so many things in this episode that were exciting uh enthralling sad uh you know every emotion i, I was sitting in my uh, office at work, like shaking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so mad at everything. And you know, one of the thoughts I had was like, "Oh God, I hope that that actor is not going through it online right now." Because right. if people were ticked off before, right? Oh my God. That's so. Right. Yeah, we had an incredible episode to talk about. Of course, if you haven't seen episode four, um, come back once you've seen it. But if you have. Let's get into this thing. Let's just do it. I knew you were excited by the way you just threw your Apple Watch over. So yeah, I'm just like <laughs> chains off. <laughs> yeah. Like if you've seen Kong versus Godzilla, just yeah. rip it off. The gloves are off. Here we go. I I don't even know where to start here. We're gonna go through the the sequence of events here. But as far as my my emotions uh, coming out of it, like I still feel the exact same as when I shut it off for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm frustrated. Um, I'm I'm angry. I'm excited for what's to come. And this is speaking as a fan who's like getting lost in the story. Of course, we can we can separate this thing, but mm-hmm. I mean as an as a Marvel fan, we've talked about how different each of these shows has been. Mm-hmm. And every single episode this one is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I I don't know what else to say beyond that for for how I feel right now. There's layers to it that we really didn't think that they would kind of get into that they have. It, it, and that's, that's the uh, the beauty of the whole show is um, while WandaVision had its own unique little flair to it, this has something that is just like, and they're in your face about it too, especially in this episode. Like they just slam you. It's like, what, 45 minutes or so of just like furious fast-paced stuff and they cover a lot of ground and they like but they also have this like underlying things we were talking about you know like uh callbacks that we've seen so far in the show uh we talked about uh foreshadowing through dialogue of things that are to come uh and and it's just uh, wow amazing it was it was so much action packed into a short episode i mean it's you know it's 45 minutes or so but it it's over in the blink of an eye, and every time the episode ends, some sometimes things happen, and you go, "That's got to be the end of the episode, right?" Because right. you know what took place this episode, you were just like, "Oh, they're gonna leave it there, aren't they?" Um, you know, like a classic American Idol episode. Ryan Seacrest <laughs> has the mic. You're like, "No way, we're actually gonna find out right here. They're going to commercial, <laughs> yeah. and we'll be right back." Right? <laughs> That's exactly how it feels every single week. Right. Uh, but no more than today, especially because of how John Walker ended the episode with this shock and awe scene. I can also say that I've never actually just instantaneously had said, "You know what? I gotta rewatch that." 
yeah. right now. I literally ended the episode, went right back and watched it again. There was so much to it. And like you said, the layers in this episode, there was only like three main things going on. And the scenes, they, they all, again, took place in pretty much one area. Actually, mm-hmm. really did take place in one area this time. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. There's so much to talk about here. The first thing that's very interesting is like they showed, I, I believe, what was Magipore, right, to start the episode and then zoom out. And Wakanda's just like a hop, skip, and a jump, you know, yeah. like a stone's like, throw. Yep. So it's kind of crazy. Anytime you hear those drums, I don't oh, know about you, but oh, I'm man, like, I get chills. Oh, man. I, dude, I get chills. I'm so excited. Yeah. Those drums come in. And, you know, with how the last episode ended, you're, you're almost left wondering, are they even going to address Wakanda immediately? Uh, are they going to treat that as a one-off? Is it going to be a main part of the series? And you're like, oh, my God, we're going to Wakanda off the bat, like off the rip. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. And, we, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I didn't expect, like, I didn't expect that the gut-wrenching scene that we got from mm-hmm. the White Wolf, from Winter Soldier, from Bucky and Ao, uh, immediately – we see Ao and and Bucky by a fire in the Wakandan, you know, hills, and she is rattling off the words, the code words, to set him off and to be the controlled Winter Soldier, and he's he's going through it. He's telling her this, you know, I don't know if this is gonna work. She's saying, trust me, I, you know, I won't let you hurt anybody, uh, and it's it's six years prior, of course. So what was what was your thoughts there when we realized we're seeing the deconstruction of the Winter Soldier right here for the first time? I'm not going to lie, bro. I cried, actually. I, like I uh, well, I didn't cry. Emotional. I teared up. I, I teared up. Yeah, there's like a I didn't I didn't like there wasn't a tear coming down my eye, but like oh, not coming down my eye, coming down my cheek. I, I had but a tear, yeah. too. <laughs> I, it, it was it was forming. It was. Yeah. It was in the, like <laughs> it was corner there. of your eye. Yeah. I, just, I was like super related. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, that's something we never got to see. But what is interesting to me about this scene, I don't know if it's true or not, but it looks like they actually shot this around the same time that we saw, like, the end credit scene in Black Panther, where he's the white wolf. Because, dude, he looks like, like, if you just plucked him out of that scene and plopped him into that scene, like, yeah. there's no difference. And I don't know that you can really replicate that, right? Like, that would take an incredible amount of skill from, like, the styling crew to, like, give him fake hair that looks identical to that, that's the same length. I mean, we are talking about like, Marvel, but I'm kind of with you. I think true. they had this thing ready to go. Right. Because if you were going to do that and, and you knew that, you know, in the future you were going to treat him as if he's not the Winter Soldier anymore, why not put that in your back pocket? Exactly. I think they did a really good job with that, man. That's that's amazing. Like, And if that's uh, the case, I wonder if they have any, you know, back footage of maybe T'Challa in there somewhere. I I don't know if that's the case, but uh, if they were filming back then, it's interesting to see maybe what they have coming up in the future. What I do think was like really interesting was, uh, first of all, I got to say, we called a lot of this stuff that was going to happen in this episode. Like we did a really good job of like knowing what the expectations were for this show compared to WandaVision. <laughs> compared to WandaVision, yeah, it's Because it was so day. wild. Well, we're dealing with magic over there, right, you know? Right, right. This is so much more grounded, but, like, I think we did a really good job of just, like, kind of thinking, all right, this is where it's going to pick up and this is what it's going to do. But, like, one thing that I thought was very interesting in how they did the Wakanda stuff is 
it was literally just the story of him of Winter Soldier, which is what it exactly needed to be because the show is called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. So it needed to be him. And as much as we didn't get that much into Wakanda, we didn't need to. We only really needed that scene, which is awesome. Yeah, I agree. That That's a good point because uh, we were really excited to have Wakanda in it, but it's like we got three episodes left. Like, <laughs> what, what are we going to do? And I, I was a little bit curious because one of my big predictions before the season was that we would see him and his partner uh, way back in, you know, when he was serving. Uh, sorry, Sam, um, his partner back when he was serving. And so we get a flashback for Bucky. And I was like, oh, maybe since there's not a lot of, like, ground left to cover in the present, I thought maybe this is going to be a past episode for the past, like, or the first, like, 20, 30 minutes. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It, it, as you mentioned, it was to the point. It was, okay, we finished with this scene. And this is what's great about these Marvel shows is, like, you you don't have to have watched all these movies and things to really enjoy what's going on because they said, here's your backstory. Yeah. Right away. <laughs> like, as, as soon as the episode starts, it's, this is why this confrontation was so powerful at the end of the episode because Bucky went through it. Um, and you see it in his, his eyes. I mean, you mentioned on the way over here, Sebastian Stan... Yeah, any actor should be able to pull something like this off but the raw emotion and the tears coming down the the agony in his face the 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 trust that he had to have it was it was such a gut-wrenching first scene your heart was hurting because you knew what he had gone through you knew the loss uh he felt and he was still trying to live up to something that uh was real because cap was still alive back then he didn't want to betray any of his friends, and he knew at any given moment he could be his own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And they were there to fix him, Wakanda. And he mentioned specifically Shuri. So I thought that was interesting that he he gave the shout-out. Like, that's not something you have to say. He just said, you know, Wakanda was great. They helped me out. He specifically said Shuri was the one yeah. that was able to, you know, give him this ability to get past this. So I thought that was kind of cool that they threw her name in there. Uh, but this scene as a whole was just what an awesome way to start the show. It takes you away for a moment, gives you Wakanda, you hear the drum beat, you get excited, and then it gives you something you didn't see coming, and then all of a sudden we're back. Right. We're back in present day, the conversations. Uh, man, just they, they know what they're doing, man. They, they really know what they're doing. I mean, it's very – I can't help but, like, watch this show and envision it as a common bo- a comic book. Because it's, it plays out very similar to it. Like, you would leave off with the Winter Soldier seeing Io at the end, and then it kind of leaves on that little cliffhanger, and then the next issue, they get right into the previous, the past between them, and that she helps him, you know, not be the Winter Soldier anymore, basically, and not get triggered from those words. And then you get... Like, man, it just, they, man, they really know what they're doing. This was awesome. And it immediately showed the depth of the mistrust now because Bucky, they've done so much for him. And now they feel like he's betrayed them because Mm -hmm. he's gone and helped Zemo get out of prison. And Zemo, as she referenced, uh, killed King T'Chaka. And T'Chaka was the one that elevated her and the majority of the Dora Milaje to their place in that government. So that was like killing her brother, her her family member, truly was. And so they're like, why would you do this? 
Uh, and Bucky is able to reason with her and say, hey, he's a means to an end. He's something we had to have to stop this further destruction. And she says, basically, okay, you got, I think she said 10 hours. Uh, eight hours. Eight hours. Yeah. There you go. Uh, metric system. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it came down to Bucky needed uh, some time. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about what you said, and not to get like too way off topic here, but like what's interesting about what you said, though, is, uh, you know, Zemo killed T'Chaka. Like, and, you know, I can't help but like think back to Hickman's Avengers run when you have the stage set for Black Panther to basically kill off an entire planet of people to protect his own. And he can't because he knows that there's another there's other people there that are just trying to live their lives too but it's also a smack in the face to the Wakandan people so you have that awesome like scene where he sees the ancestors and they deny him access to like the ancestral plane when he dies because he wasn't willing to kill off the entire planet to save the people of Wakanda so I guess what I'm kind of getting at is, and I mean, it's all about who's writing it. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm upset by it or anything or anything like that. I just find it really interesting that like T'Challa saved Zemo's life. Like Zemo was about to kill himself in Civil War. Yeah. And he saved his life. So I guess like how, how do the Wakandan people feel about that though? Like, that's something we've never really kind of got into. Like, T'Challa saved his life after he killed his dad, which I guess, if you're going from that comic direction, that's like a no-no. Like, in in a, in a weird way, I guess he should have actually just let him die or killed him himself. But, you know, a very interesting um, thing here because they are... Like you said, there's a level of distrust now because he broke him out. He did say, you know, obviously, like, you know, he's a means to an end, which is fine. They give they, they give him the time, but, you know, it, it's just a complex situation for sure. Yeah, and as I mentioned last episode, uh, T'Chaka um, was, or excuse me, T'Challa giving him that grace and letting him live uh, he might no longer be that compassionate because the last time he let somebody live, uh, Clow, he, mm. you know, let him get away. Mm-hmm. And uh, his people basically let an, an uprising happen with Killmonger. So he might be a little bit more protective of letting people go because of his morals or his ethics. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to see how the Zemo and Wakanda track is going. It's not over. No. Um, after this episode, we'll see how you know, Zemo, Zemo might get out of this series after all. <laughs> he he's might. a slippery one, that guy. Yeah. Uh, every every chance he gets, he's he's leaving, but it almost seems like every time he leaves, he's not gone. He's just mm-hmm. like building a better case for himself or getting a little bit more of an advantage because he knows that they're actually helping him as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there it's a beneficial relationship, 
Uh, but they all are like, you know, they have their hands on their guns, so to speak, at all times, ready. Yeah. Which I think is really the definition of the antihero. Like, which I think is what he's become in this series. He went from a villain to an antihero. Because, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but like, what he's doing and saying about things isn't really wrong, which is interesting. Like he's not wrong in very, and, and I think, you know, Sam pointed it out in the last episode, like, you know, it was obviously a little more lighthearted, but like, he's not really ever wrong. He just kind of goes about it in a way that's not very like hero type, which is once again, kind of like the anti-hero situation. So, I think this show's kind of setting up that way. Like he might actually get out of being brought to Wakanda or anything like that. He might just kind of slip out and live his life. Yeah. And the thing with Zemo is he's been so low key like, uh, as you mentioned, like anti hero ish. He's just been slippery like an eel. And it'll be interesting to see if he continues on that path or he goes back to being a full villain. Um, but we'll find out, I'm sure, by the end of this series. Uh, w- once we got out of Wakanda and they're um, all discussing uh, how how do we find Carly, you know, they're all they all decide to look for info. And of course, uh, Zemo's the one that that gets the info from little girl using. The Turkish delights, <laughs> yeah, uh, to kind of bribe the kids and outsmart her, or maybe not. Maybe this girl's the the defining moment of the series. Who knows? But he he acts like Danya was a good friend, and he wants to know when the funeral, the memorial is. Uh, but interestingly enough, we got a little more of that dialogue between Sam and what he would call a refugee or a misplaced uh, international, mm. I can't remember the exact term he used, but yeah. we're getting more and more into the reasoning of all these people's descent. It, it's it's not coming from a bad place as we suspected. It's coming down to they were mistreated and they were a, a people without a nation, so to speak. And that you see that in real life. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a good look at why these people are being radicalized. Yeah, and it's and it's, you know, once again, not to like toot my own horn, but I think I kind of talked a little bit about this when we were doing like a preview, in that I never really thought that the Flag Smashers would necessarily be the big evil of the show. Sure, Carly's done some horrible things, but she's also in that same boat as Zemo. Like, she's kind of gone about. And it's only one time, too, which is interesting. Uh, but she's kind of gone about it now a bad way, in a negative way, of doing things with a good intent, with a good heart. Because, yeah, like, and, and once again, like you said, we kind of see this in the real world, too, where there's organizations that are created to take care of people, uh, especially overseas. Um, and these organizations kind of do a good job of getting supplies but it's not it, it's never really fair and it's never done in a good way it's never done in a just way and uh you know as much as those corporations try to help 
in many ways, they also kind of hurt communities. And in this case, within the MCU, obviously it's a lot different. But, you know, when you have... And it's and it's a good thing that, like, you know, half of the people... And, and in a way, Thanos was right, right? Because he got rid of half of life in the, in the universe. And what happened to Earth? We became uh, basically a, a nation without borders. We were one, one people. We were all taking care of each other. They kind of hinted at it here where like, you know, people were helping each other just because it was other people. You know, didn't matter your skin color, your nationality, anything like that. Your, uh, you know, uh, like nothing mattered. Uh, the culture you came from, whatever, like it didn't matter. We were all one. We're all helping each other, which is great. And then everybody comes back and it's like all these people get displaced and it's no longer like that. We're back where we were before the snap. So yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic that I'm really, really glad that they're kind of getting into this kind of touchy subject too, because after Infinity War, after Endgame, these were all questions that I think were on our mind. Is if everybody's been gone for five years and then brought back, what happens? And they're getting right into it. So I think, yeah, I, I never really thought that the Flag Smashers would be the big bad. Um, and that we'd kind of get more story out of them than anything. And so far, we're kind of right in that. Yeah, and you took my line. <laughs> uh, Than it was referenced that when Thanos snapped, the world was in a better place uh, because, and you know, it was really built on fear. And is that ultimately better? Maybe not. But you know, when there was less people, he said everybody relied on each other. They all came together because they didn't have anything else, and uh, there was less people, so less. Um, more resources for less people pretty much exactly what Thanos is talking about right mm -hmm. so I wrote that down in like capital letters I put Thanos was right yeah um that's a loaded phrase right there no he wasn't right he was right in that his math equation worked and I don't think we ever really questioned that right it was is that the best way to go about doing it um and that's where the Avengers were like no, we, we, we disagree right. with the methodology that you're using, Mr. Thanos. He was kind of like, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Kind of. He Yeah, he, he threw you know the, the kid in the water to, to let him swim <laughs> and said, well, if he drowns, he wasn't yeah. meant to swim. Right. You know? So it, it's, it was interesting. When, when they were talking about that, I thought that was very noteworthy because they, they don't say things without merit here in, in the MCU. So... Noting that they didn't, I don't think they said anything. Did they say Thanos? I don't think no, they used his they, word. Yeah. No. So they, they just referenced the snap and how it did solve a lot of issues. But then as soon as everybody came back, it was actually worse than before mm -hmm. because everybody was misplaced or in their new places. And then all the people that came back were just uh, not ready. You know, it's like a snowstorm in, in a, a warm area. They're just not ready to deal with it. Right. Even if it's something that may seem uh, light to some other places, they were not ready. Right. So uh, we we see that Zemo's got his info, and Walker 
and Sam, or sorry, excuse me, Walker and uh, Lamar, Lamar Hoskins, yeah. come into the scene. They've they've found him. They've tracked him down. You know how e- easy it is to find Avengers walking around. You know, <laughs> so they're there, and that was kind of interesting. I didn't expect them to like meet up right away because I was half expecting a fight between the two of them at some point in this episode, and you know we kind of got our wish, but. Yeah, now we have the four of them to, or the five of them together with it's, it's hard to say five because Zemo's like this odd dude <laughs> that's just standing in the corner watching everybody talk and fight and throwing in his, his quips and one-liners. He's very to the point. Yeah, and he talks so slowly it's almost like he's putting on an accent, mm-hmm. you know? And he, Maybe, I don't I honestly know the actor I'm sure there's, he's not Sokovian <laughs> but, <laughs> you know I don't know how deep his accent truly is. Um, so yeah, with that conversation, um, they're basically saying, we need to go get Carly, and Zemo's like, yo, I got this. Calm down. And they're like, Zemo's got this. Calm down. Mm. <laughs> John, John Walker is always impatient. Yes. His character is impatient. Yes. All the time. And that's a dead giveaway of he's not going to be a good superhero because the point of this is patience. And when they're talking about going to see Carly – Sam makes a great point. I used to do this for a living. I, I, you know, did basically therapy for former soldiers. And that was really how him and Cap met through that. And John's like, are you stupid? <laughs> like, he, he can't believe that this is going to work. And it was kind of interesting. I, I really like having John Walker in this series because his perspective as a soldier has given us a lot of reality a lot of grounded factual stuff like this is kind of how a soldier would act in this scenario because truly cap was never a soldier cap cap was a guy that was really smart empathetic and good at what he did but he wasn't a soldier for the u.s army that's a completely different scenario and we're seeing the mindset of john walker we're gonna fight fire with fire because that's all i've ever been taught how to do and so when Sam suggests going into, you know, talking her down, it's coincidentally Lamar who convinces John, hey, let him try this. This is our best way in. So this is our first example this episode. We've seen it before of Lamar being the North Star for John. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to hit you with a little one liner, though, too, here sure. to play devil's advocate to what you said about him. John Walker, that is. Kind of makes you wonder, though, how he got those three Medal of Honors, right? Because they kind of hint at that later. Yeah, they talked about it you later. Know, how much it's more? It's in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really in my notes. But like, yeah, it's kind of interesting because he is so like hot-headed and like quick. He's very reactionary, and you cannot be reactionary like that as a superhero. Like you said, you have to kind of play things out. You know, at least the uh, <laughs> the good superheroes kind of <laughs> let things kind of play out. I mean, we saw Doctor Strange, right? 14 million some odd different uh, outcomes. And he's like, there's only one that works, and I'm going to make sure that this happens. And he didn't spoil it. He just kind of let it happen. He let it play out. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's very interesting. Like you said, I mean, it is kind of like what a soldier would do, but I don't think that he's the ordinary soldier either. So it's very, and they kind of hint at this later too, Bucky does, uh, as to where his mental state is. 
Like he says something along the lines of like, I, I know a crazy when I see one yeah, or something. Yeah. He noticed something was off. Yeah. And like we said, you know, if he was to get exposed to super soldier serum, super soldier serum could bring out that the bad in him because that's what it does. And if he's already kind of, you know, reactionary, it, it's like a, uh, it's like the Jedi, right? If you act on emotions and you act reactionary like that, you're on a path to the dark side, basically, which is interesting. But yeah, for sure. It, it, I love his character for sure. I, I, I really do because it brings a different dynamic to the show. Yeah. And through those conversations, it seems like every time the three of them get in a room, like Zemo, Bucky and Sam, some deep conversation takes place about uh, life and mm-hmm and super soldiers especially because he says super soldiers are in a one-way train to becoming a supremacist a a leader of horrible things uh it's he's basically saying it's near impossible to get on the right track and stay on the right track if you become a super soldier and it's interesting because falcon said well you know your theory is incorrect because Steve never was was tampered with. He never turned, and uh, Zemo said touche. He said that is the one time I've been incorrect, but nobody else is Steve Rogers. Right. And that was a. I thought that was a powerful line. It is because that's like he's in in my opinion he's he's setting the table. He he's giving us a hint. This guy's not Steve Rogers. He's not going to do the right thing. He's not. And it's tough to say what Steve would have done in these situations because he wasn't faced with these situations. But he always had that moral compass that helped him make his decisions, even when times got tough. And Zemo was low-key telling us, this guy's not your Captain America. This is not the guy you want taking a super super soldier serum. I, I love that we get these deep conversations especially related to super soldiers with Zemo and he had a chance later this episode to prove that he was telling the truth yeah for sure and I think that there's a lot to it as well that's a little different you know we we've seen I think in this episode more than any other that that old like adage like you can't like judge a book by its cover really right um and you see this a lot in this episode and you get these liners from Carly, you get it from John Walker and you get it from Zemo. All three say things that are very similar and that yeah. they're very judgmental towards each other. <laughs> yeah. And who are the only two that aren't are the main focal point of the show. And in reality, <laughs> a lot of this judgment, if it wasn't there, there would actually be a little bit more peace. There would be a peaceful opportunity for all three of them to get kind of what they want while not harming each other. But they're so quick to judge and they're so like reactionary. And while Zemo's not as reactionary, he's very like calculating, there's still that coldness to him he's about older situations. Too. Yeah. He's more experienced than this. Yes. So, and he's always been calculating. I mean, we saw how Civil War played out. That was all him. So, 
there's a different element to it, but the fact remains, though, that he's very judgmental as well about the super soldiers and stuff like that. And yeah. how they can't, you know. But that's a theme of this episode, really, is, to me, you know, um, is just judging books by covers because they don't know each other. No one. Yeah. It's not like Falcon and, and, and Bucky really took the time to really know John Walker. They never did. They didn't care. It's like with Zemo. Did they really stop and understand Zemo's tactics and why he's doing what he's doing? No, T'Challa was the only one that did. Like, Carly, we do get reasoning with Carly. I'll say that. Which was great. Right. So that's like a sign of improvement. And once again, I don't think she's like, she never really was the enemy of the show to begin with. I don't think. She was never really the villain. Well, she is now. But like they did her wrong. Things have just gone in a certain path, and I'll get to that. And I, I, I understand where you're coming from that she is now, but I, don't, I still don't see it that way. But it's just this reactionary intent and this, you know, maliciousness behind it that makes things so clouded for John Walker, number one, and then everybody else. The only two that really aren't is Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, th- I love the point you make. I think John Walker is his own separate issue, but Carly and Zemo are mirror images of each other. They are. In like completely different ways, but they're, they're, they have kind of the same goal, different ways of getting there. And the irony is that as you mentioned, they both sound like the things that they're trying to rid, you know, the mm-hmm. world of. And who calls them on it both times? Sam. Yeah. The guy who listens, who who's incredibly patient with people and truly hears you out. So, you know, early in the, in the episode, he, he said, hey, you sound like the god that you're um, shaming. Yes. And as we'll get into right now, he uh, is led into a room to uh, like an overhanging where he watches uh, Carly speak at uh, Donya's fu- uh, funeral. And the she's talking about how Donya helped save everybody, not necessarily through, um, you know, financially or anything like that, but caring for them and loving them and giving them just basic human needs. And it shows you how desperate they were because that she's become their idol and she was just simply helping with the little means that she probably had. Um, we don't get too much context with her, unfortunately. I think part of that was because of the cuts that they had to do. Hmm. But post-funeral, Sam walks in and he does what he does best. He's talking to her and relating to her and he's not threatening. He's doing a great job. She's opening up and we're getting a lot of cool backstory that really, for the first time, made me see Carly in the way she's probably supposed to be seen as somebody I actually now care about one way or the other. Yeah. Like, I'm with it now. She, I didn't understand. All of her scenes were so quick. They were so um, light, and there wasn't a lot of depth to them. But now we're really getting into what was so important to her and why this all meant a certain thing. It doesn't take away the, from that, you know, the, the fact that she's killing people. But you see why. You, you understand what made her become this way. 
Yeah, and I, I want to touch on something too that I thought was kind of important about the scenes and what they're doing from a uh, director standpoint um, that I always thought is like so cool. And I'm going to kind of take a little weird journey that I normally go on in this podcast anyways, but I read a book like, I'm well, not a book, like a little short story like, I don't know, a couple of years ago that kind of stuck with me. And ever since then, I look for it in movies and I look for it in everything that I watch, like anything that's like entertainment related, I look for now. And it was the story of an hour. And in, in stories, when you're reading things, you're looking for little cues of how the author is kind of setting the tone. And in this story, it's a story of loneliness. It's a story of, uh, but also this story of like release and like newfound freedom. Like the character is experiencing like being told basically her husband's dead, but it's set in the 1800s where like the husband has the rule of the house. You know, he has all the keys to the house and everything. The woman's just expected to just do, do, do like the, the little remedial tasks. She doesn't have any freedom. So she's told that her husband died. She goes into a room. She's looking outside. What does she see? She sees birds flying. Birds are like a thematic representation for freedom. So like you automatically get this sense right off the bat just because of that scene that freedom, right? And what I thought was really cool, like you said, Sam is above. And anytime that something is above another, it's like I'm literally looking up to you now. Like I'm literally kind of, you're, you're setting the stage for that person that's above to kind of mentor or like At a funeral, relate. no less. At a funeral, yeah. exactly. Right. And uh, we got this earlier too. And I, and I um, don't know that we really talked about it. I, I can't remember. But we had this scene where like uh, the Flag Smashers are all on their phones and they're listening to the news report, uh, the three dead bodies or whatever. The 11 people injured and one thing that's kind of interesting is it's almost like no one can really relate to Carly except for the one other flag smasher who's like there's, a, there's like a relationship established in this episode for a while of like trust and stuff like that but what do you see you see everything is open like the, the landscape is open there's they're in wilderness which is already kind of setting this tone of like alone. So it's almost like there's a little bit of distrust now, even from the Flag Smashers with Carly. Like they still kind of trust her because she's still doing the right things, but she just killed people. So now there's this level of like, oh, so this is what we're doing now, right? And I don't know, you know, like, and you kind of see it like they're looking at the phones and then they shoot to her in the shot. There's only one person that's kind of making real eye contact with her. And it's the one person, the other super soldier that becomes a crucial part to the rest of the episode. But I just think it's very interesting how they're like shooting each shot and literally like not, not like overhand telling you how to feel, if that makes sense. Like, they're just kind of letting things, they're shooting it in a way that, like, you can kind of pick up what they're putting down without being told. And I like that a lot. So, 
as this was happening, John Walker is becoming impatient (laughs) again. And they agreed to a 10 minute. uh, They didn't really agree, but they told him 10 minutes. (laughs) You got 10 minutes. Yeah. Like he's gives him 10 minutes. And then it seems, I think they might've even showed us with the clock, but I don't know how long it was. Bucky said it hasn't been 10 minutes yet. Yeah. And once again, we revisit the insecurities of John Walker because he goes up to Bucky and he looks at him with disgust almost that I can't get past you simply because you're stronger than me because you've been injected with something. That's pretty much what he told him. With his eyes, which is interesting. Well, and then with his mouth. Well, yeah, but (laughs) like... Yeah, exactly. Every time he approaches somebody, he looks at them like, you don't respect me. Exactly. Every single person he meets disrespects him because welcome to the big leagues everybody he meets is more powerful than him and his whole life he's been the alpha dog in the room Mm -hmm. his whole life and he looks to his left and there's hoskins at all times and he's always submitted to to john to help him um and he probably saw that that he needed that confidence boost to hey i'm here to elevate you you're the man you know i'm i'm the guy that's going to help you Mm -hmm. but (laughs) nobody else backs down to him and he's tired of it, and so he's telling Bucky, "Okay, I can't, appe- I can't beat you. Maybe I can appeal to your guilt, you know, because Bucky's strongest emotion is guilt. Mm-hmm. And so he says, well, how would you feel if your boy in there dies and you did nothing about it?' Mm-hmm. In you know, different words. And we cut back to Sam, and they're they're deep in a conversation, and so she's relating to him, and they're they're talking and. And Carly, for all the good she wants to do, she's going about it the wrong way. And Sam is telling her, and she, he he says, you know, you're no, you're you're different than the bad in the world right now, but you're not better, you know. So you're gonna change things, but only for some people, and it's not gonna be ultimately any different. So even though he relates and is sympathetic to her mission, he says this is not how you're gonna get there. And lo and behold. Here comes John Walker busting into the room. And immediately, like, I don't know about you, but immediately I go, oh, duh. And all of a sudden I know what's going to happen. Yep. Like the rest of the show, it seems like. Yeah. And we don't. But, like, your brain immediately goes, this has happened before. Yeah. Star-Lord. When they were just about to get the glove off of Thanos, Star-Lord, you know, hit Thanos, woke him up. And but this is like so much more egregious, and he didn't have any reason to do this. It was literally just impatience. Yeah. Star Lord had so much loss, and right. and it was it was it made sense. He got impatient, yes, but the impatience of John Walker, the insecurities of John Walker, let him down. But that's the thing, though. The difference between John Walker and Star Lord is we know Star Lords. So much like it, it, it's almost like. The, the writers are kind of putting us inside of, of Sam and Bucky's head because we don't know John Walker. We don't, we don't know anything about him, really. We know, oh, he's a decorated war hero and he's super strong and he's like, you know, whatever. But we don't know what makes him tick. With Star-Lord, we saw his mom pass. We saw what happened with his, his real dad, you know, uh, 
and everything else. We saw what happened with, with yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, and we saw what happened with Gamora. You know, like we saw these things play out with John Walker. We really still don't really know what makes him tick, and that's further like put in. And, and I'm 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 really in my like director bag right now, but like. When they sh- first cut to John Walker, what is going on? There's no music playing. There's no, like, any kind of background noise. It's very quiet. And it's, like, almost as if he can hear the seconds ticking on that clock. And he's just very anxious. And he's, like, I, I think he's, like, tapping the-, the shield or something. And he's, like, bouncing his legs. He's very anxious. And he's just, like, amped up, ready to go. But he can't because Sam's in there and he's so ready to go and like you said like Bucky tells him like oh it hasn't even been 10 minutes you know chill but that's we we need to know more of of why this is because as a soldier especially like a captain or whatever kind of role he yeah, was whatever you know if he's a guy that's captain leading now. you would assume based off his character that he's a leader that he is like oh, a captain sure. in the military or like a, you know, s- sergeant or whatever leading a group. Is this the guy you want leading because of how reactionary he is, no. right? So it makes it you wonder. On the mission, I suppose, but no. Right. But it makes you wonder, right? Like it makes you wonder like okay, if he's so decorated, how did he become so decorated if he's leading guys like this? Like how what, what's really making him tick? Is it you know, the act of what happened when they got, in which we get a little backstory to their, the Medal of Honor. Yeah, we'll get into that. But like, is that event what has caused John Walker to have this like different like personality th- kind of thing? Yeah. Because he's now more impatient. Like maybe he wasn't that way when he was in the military. And this event happened, he gets a Medal of Honor, he gets uh-huh. a handshake, and then all of a sudden he becomes super impatient because of what he's experienced we don't know that but we all right but all we know is that he's just and like you said when he busts through the door it's like oh here we go yeah we were were getting somewhere but now it was was so close right it's too easy exactly um and as that takes place carly immediately brushes them off and like it's nothing because that super soldier serum is apparently the perfect one. And so she beats him up and immediately, once again, uh, John Walker is losing a fight and it, I mean, it was instantaneous. So we get Carly running away and she gets away. Uh, Sam and Bucky kind of get lost in the building that they're in. And she runs into Zemo, who was handcuffed by John Walker. That was the one savvy move. I was like, okay, John Walker, mm-hmm. I see you. Handcuffing Zemo seems like always a good idea. But, of course, handcuffs are not enough to keep Zemo down. So he gets out, and Carly's running, and she gets a bullet to the stomach from Zemo. And the way he was looking and his facial expressions, I'm like, Carly's going down. Yeah. Zemo's got a gun. I mean, Zemo doesn't play games, apparently. We have learned this throughout all these episodes so far. And he he's not reasoning with her. He's not talking to her. 
He sees once she falls from another gunshot, she drops a bunch of vials with some blue liquid in it. And Zemo is going, oh, is this what I think it is? And he looks at it. He picks it up and pauses for a moment as if to say, hmm, I could take this. And I could really rid the world of all these super soldiers. But what I become the thing I fear the most, is that worth it? You can just see that the gears going on in his brain, or so you think. He's like, no chance. (laughs) Throws this thing on the ground. And I honestly, I was like, good for you. Zemo had a chance to become a super soldier. And and all this time, he was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. He, he was completely guided by this one directive of no super soldiers. And even when given the opportunity, he, he didn't even, he paused for effect because Zemo does everything for effect, but he didn't take it. He right. threw it down. He stomped all of them out that he could see. And he was so focused on, I mean, it's impressive, honestly, because his goal no longer was threat in the room. It was, I can finish my mission. Yes. He started stopping these things, destroying them, and Carly's running away, and he doesn't even look at her. He doesn't care. He is not, yeah, it, that's not part of his mission. He didn't want to hurt her. He wanted to get to the vials. He got them, and he destroyed what he thought was all of them. And Carly escapes the room with the, the gentleman that she's uh, had a relationship with this episode, um, and he's he's satisfied with you know destroying these things and then all of a sudden brain freeze yeah <laughs> headache here comes john walker as <laughs> soon as a good thing's happening john walker comes in the room i mean yeah. it's like Hurt, it's clockwork timing. yeah every yeah. single scene something good starts happening here comes john walker bust you know bust in throws the the shield and i mean it's funny how the physics of the shield work. Cause sometimes it's like a, a decapitating throw. Sometimes it's a knockout throw. Sometimes right. it literally just bounces off a, a brick wall. Right. But it knocks him out cold. I mean, cold. Because he threw it, I would imagine, with the same force. At Crazy some point, hard. He through a wall. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and like, he, like, I guess he, he just has his... a headache because he has an ice pack later. <laughs> but he, he throws it at Zemo. And we get the moment that we all kind of feared. And we kind of saw, yeah. kind of saw coming. But it was like, how's he going to do it? And, well, we see there's one vial left, and it's left in between these two jugs of water. And John Walker picks it up, looks at it for a moment. Same thing, pause for effect. Right, pause for effect. Different brain of And puts it in his pouch on his side, or pocket on his side, right as everybody's coming into the room. Mm. So we now have John Walker with a vial ready to go whenever he feels like he could take it, destroy it, pass it on. Uh, Maybe if somebody is hurt, give it to them. It's up to him now. He is honestly the most powerful person in the show at that point because of what he has. Yeah. And we know how strong he is. And I don't think this serum is the same as the one uh, Cap took in that it elevates, you know, deep what's inside into your physical strength. I think it just elevates... A percentage of your strength so I think with him being an extremely strong soldier already I think he might have just elevated to like the most powerful person if he takes this vial so that was very intriguing and hmm. I don't know just seeing him look at that vial gave me the heebie-jeebies I was like no 
I know yeah. it's coming now, and I don't like it. Yeah. I I, I would kind of disagree with that. I think it does kind of bring out still the same things because I don't think Physically? it's as refined. No, I think... Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like... Uh, like strength, it, raw strength. Your emotions, though. Well, yeah, that's like, a I think part I, I think, of it. But yeah. I think physically, oh, he's going to be stronger oh, gotcha, than Carly gotcha, gotcha. now. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like that's just my, and, and I, there's nothing to back that up. Like literally right. nothing. I just feel like this serum wasn't necessarily what's on the inside will make you physically strong or faster or anything. Because Cap, we we know that his his interior motivation, uh, he he grew that big because his body was willing to grow that big. Yeah, so. right. Uh, crazy scene like this was crazy, a crazy scene. wild scene such a cool like like the pause for effect with both of them yeah and once again it just kind of shows the different intents the different uh you know wills so to say of each character you know uh zemo looks at it and he's like the thing that i've been chasing to destroy is right here now I've got it i've got it i can destroy it now I can be happy. And John Walker looks at it like the thing I need to elevate myself and gain the respect that I'm looking for. Finally got it. Well, and if it was just that, you'd almost respect him more. But he still doesn't even know what he wants to do. But, you know, he looks at it like I am so indecisive with every single thing I do. I just jump to conclusions. I don't know, though. I don't think that he becomes more respectable if he takes it because I think... The whole thing is Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers, I don't think really, he wanted to just to become uh, something. Zero one to fight Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to, to fight for his country, sure. But like the whole thing is, you know, Sam doesn't want, he immediately said no to wanting to take this the serum because he knows that like number one I don't really need it because yeah I know where my direction is anyways he's a tech guy too and he's a tech guy sure and and just for clarification everybody's seen the episode already knows this but he mentioned he was never offered it I don't know if that's true if he yeah. just wanted to appease Zemo but uh, Zemo was pleased with his answer so I yeah. trust Zemo <laughs> yeah and so with with John Walker, it's he's going. He's just once again he's going about things, and it's all of these things are just mirror images of each other. Like Carly, Zemo, and and, and John Walker, they're, they're just mirror images of each other. Because you said earlier, you know, uh, Carly's going about it, but going about it the wrong way. There's another way of doing things, right? That's a direct callback to Zemo and Civil War. Because the whole theme of Civil War is the Avengers are doing things and they're the, the effects of what they're doing is tremendous. And there needs to be something put in place. And you saw both sides of it. You saw Ross with the Sokovia Accords, but you saw Zemo. They're direct opposites of each other. Zemo right. actually accomplished the goal, but he did it the wrong way because now they want to kill each other. The Avengers are now kind of separated, but, and he got the goal, but like he went about it the wrong way. Whereas Ross is trying to get them to just sign the accords. Here you have, once again, Carly just going about it the wrong way. It's a mirror image, as you said, of Zemo with John Walker in this scene. 
As soon as he looks at it, we all kind of know because we know the intent now. It's the wrong way to do it. Yeah. So, man, they are just, they were really, really on one in this episode, man. They, they cannot say enough about it. And the thing about, uh, I was trying to say with John, the respectability, it's like everything he does, he's unsure about. And to me, when you're coming from that military background, you're, you're like, apparently he was like the most decorated soldier they had available. This guy doesn't, he doesn't have a compass. Yeah. There's nothing. He picks up that vial and he's internally battling himself. He has no clue. He has to ask his, his guy. Mm-hmm. And it just, to me, like every single time something comes up, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And it's just another thing that shows me, I'm not sure he ever was the right man for the job. Um, Which brings that question because we see a callback at some point that even Carly is told about Captain America and she says something along the lines of that shield should have been destroyed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have the idea of, well, it's been given to uh, the wrong guy. It's Sam felt like he was the wrong guy. Uh, Maybe he was. and, And it's just... There's so many things that are either like, like you said, like foreshadowings or like callbacks at some point. Like, it makes me really wonder if the shield will be destroyed in the series. Like, if we get to episode six and like it just gets destroyed somehow. It's feeling less and less likely that we're going to have a non John Walker Captain America by the end of the series. You know, just uh, there's not enough time left for one unless they're just going to like you've won this in duel, <laughs> you know, like, um, but it just seems like that's what they're building this up for is the tear down of these idols. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so after this, Carly is threatened by the power broker again, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's not concerned right now. She's like, I got enough problems. <laughs> Power Broker is going to leave me alone right now because he still thinks we have the serum, yeah. and he's not going to make any any you know super strong moves. And she lets it be known we're going to separate these guys and we're going to kill Captain America. And you're going not going to be as easy as you think, you know. Right. And this is where we get the discussion between Sam and Zemo about the serum and specifically Carly and how she's, um, you know she and others are the the demons of this this world and and they don't realize it and zemo's just i just love these scenes between zemo and sam talking and they keep it so deep but simple enough for us to just kind of understand it and i have so many aha moments when they're speaking mm-hmm. it's like that makes so much sense and it applies to the world we live in today so the parallels this episode like we could do if we just like made this our full-time job to examine these episodes (laughs) it would be incredible the stuff that they're leveling it's like a layered cake yeah unbelievable and walker walker barges in the door again what you know who knew uh you know as they're discussing something profound and he's just like a he's like a bully that just keeps coming in the room and, but he's, he's a bully that keeps getting beat up, you he's know? The, he's the kid at the beach that keeps kicking down the sandcastle. Or throwing your clothes in the ocean and laughing. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he can't let anything be good. And he's saying Zemo has to go. Mm-hmm. He's like, 
I don't know, man. Walker is is tripping. It's very true to who he is in the comics, though. I will say that because he is very, very arrogant. Like he just walked in the room and was like, "All right, I'm in charge here, and you're yeah, coming like, with me." Like, wait a minute. And I the love guy the, with line, the plan. Yeah, I love the line from Sam where he's like, "The only thing that's running in this room, the only thing you're running in this room, is your mouth." I thought that was great. That was like the the line of the show to me. It it's like. It's like he's projecting strength because he knows he doesn't have it. Mm. And I, I don't know, man. It's just been really frustrating because every room he enters, he's the alpha dog in his mind, but nobody else believes it. Well, now I think he's got that. In this scene, I think he's got that like sense of security in his pocket, literally, because he's like, I am way. the strongest guy, but he's he hasn't taken it yet. Yeah, and, and he gets... Once again, embarrassed. Oh, the Dora Milaje come in, kick the door down, and, well, you know, he kicks doors down. They just kind of somehow get in the room, <laughs> and uh, they kick his butt, and Bucky and Sam just kind of watch from a distance from the majority of it until they're like, all right, let's, you know, let's get involved. <laughs> and while they're fighting, Zemo slips away, El Chapo style, as they mentioned. <laughs> and, I mean, you could see it all over John Walker's face. The, the the theme of John Walker this episode was embarrassment and insecurity. Mm-hmm. He he says, and you know, we, we don't have to go through this fight uh, move by move because it was just a butt kicking. They, they could have killed him mm-hmm. ha- had they chosen to. But afterwards, he's sitting there defeated. I mean, incredibly defeated. And he says, they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah. And... Hoskins is like, all right, come on, man. Let's just get up. And, you know, it's like every time he's about to go ballistic, Hoskins is there to take him back uh, from the deep end. And it's just interesting. Like, that was the moment you knew he's taking this thing. Yeah. He's tired of getting beaten up. I I thought, I thought, what if they kicked it and it like busted in his pocket? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, why would you keep it in your pocket where you get like leg kicked, John Jones style? Yeah. Um he was done, man. He he was he was defeated again. I like that he gave it one more fight. <laughs> He's like, um, you know, and, and he he gave the indication. They faked this out because he came in the room and he said, I'm gonna drop this shield, you know, let's let's make it fair. And you're like, What does he know that they don't? Did he take the you know? Yeah. But no, he, he just got, you know, beat up again. So this was the last fight that he was ever gonna have where he was outmanned, mm-hmm. outgunned. And they they took it to him. Zemo's gone, and just once again he's left completely defeated. And what I think there's like three things that came to mind with this. Number one, the Alpha Dogs. We we all have seen them at some point in our lives. The the guys who just like kind of come into the room and just kind of think that they run everything because they're just like big bravado tough dudes. Oddly enough, within their own mind, as you said, is always some kind of insecurity. And that's why they're projecting like that. It's not necessarily that they even really believe what they're saying or doing. They're just doing or saying it to project it because they feel that they need to in order to be heard or in order to, you know, be in in the room. You know, like it's just it's just a weird quality. But other things that came to mind were like uh, privilege. 
Like it's very much the story of kind of like a privileged kid, you know, like he gets everything kind of given to him because obviously he works hard. Sure. But like, once again, that question of like, what exactly did he do if he's this incompetent? What exactly did he do to get these things like these awards and this like love and appreciation from the military? And that literally comes up in the next scene. Yeah, because it seems like if somebody's that incompetent, then they're actually losing lives. Like, you're leading people to death, basically. And it shows a level of privilege because he's been given the shield. Based off of merit, sure, but like, is it really, though? Because... And you see it because he gets knocked down. He gets defeated time and time and time again. And this is exactly what happens to people who grow up in that privilege. And then they kind of enter the real world, so to say. And they get knocked down a bunch of pegs. And then they're like, whoa, who am I? What is this? What is life? So, and and, and shout out to the actor because the way that he portrays things with his face like he's like we've said before like sometimes when he looks into the camera you instantaneously feel what there's trying to be like emitted from the John Walker character and the John Walker persona which is awesome because in that scene yeah when he when he looks up and he says like man they weren't even super soldiers like you instantly feel exactly what he's saying before he even says it which is awesome. So big shout out to uh, what's his name, Wyatt Russell. Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah, he's he's done an incredible job so far. Um, and that was kind of a villain moment. Yeah, like you see that in a lot of early origin villain stuff where they get pushed around and society is looking down on them, and they have that one moment where they reach lowest of the lows. And but the difference here is that he doesn't get that excuse because Hoskins is there. Yeah. Hoskins lifts him up. And in this next scene, Hoskins is once again taking care of his boy. He's lifting him up. He's saying, you know, you you are this dude. And I would have taken the serum. He's making jokes. He's just kind of, he's keeping everything light. A fan comes up for a picture and it shows, I love that moment because it shows the, the dual lives that he's currently living where he has this facade of, this great American soldier who's out helping the world and he's getting disrespected in every room he shows up in. Mm-hmm. So it it's nice to see the duality of this dude is not respected in one regard, yet he's Captain America to so many young kids and, and people that look up to him. And once again, you know, the, the shot, when we pan to uh, Hoskins, he's standing above him reaching his hand out like that's his north star basically and you know man they just they everything that they're doing and it's the little fine details that they're going over with this show is incredible like that little detail there with him being above it already paints that i mean the picture's already been painted really they're just once again they're kind of like carving out those little those little details of like yes this is the guy who is his like compass in and everything and it's uh man it's crazy and with the with the senior talking about too where they're kind of like chilling and you know the fan you get the duality of 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 the john walker character you also get that 
Uh, we've been waiting for this one too, but you get that little name drop of Battlestar in there and uh, just another really cool moment because they talk about the Medal of Honor and they talk about like, you know, how many more lives could have been saved if we were super soldiers. Do you remember what Hoskins said when John asked him if he would have taken it? He said, yeah. He said, hells yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was Instantly. like, yeah. It's the exact of opposite of Falcon. Yeah, remember the last time he, dro- he name-dropped Battlestar? That immediately, Bucky was like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Get me off this car. Yeah. Uh, it, that that name doesn't seem to excite anybody, right? Right. Uh, he said he even draws a little picture on his signature, and the kid didn't want it. Right. Felt bad for him. Uh, yeah, and so John's like, once again, getting almost approval from, from Hoskins, and Hoskins doesn't realize it, but he's signing his death warrant by saying that. Mm-hmm. And how I can just think how many times has Hoskins kept John from hurting himself uh, by, you know, calming him down or talking him down. And as you mentioned before, and we can discuss this, this was a moment that I was like, maybe maybe he's not there yet. Maybe he hasn't really gone over the, the waterfall yet because John says, the things we did in Afghanistan to earn those medals, I'm not so sure they were that great. You know, yeah. if people actually realize what we were doing, that we wouldn't be heroes. We, you know, we'd just be these soldiers that were doing things that we had to do. And that moment thrown in there was like, okay, so he has some awareness. He's not just like, oh, I'm the greatest soldier in the world. It kind of calls back to that first episode where he's like, oh, I don't know if I, you know, expected to ever be at this level. And she's like, no, you're amazing. And it's like, maybe people just keep telling him he's amazing and he's bought into it. But apparently he's like, he gets it that, you know, war is not something to be proud of necessarily. No. And he's not. And that that's where what you were mentioning earlier with like maybe what he's dealt with. We don't have his backstory yet. Yeah. And we haven't seen the PTSD scars that he has absolutely none of it are justifying how much of a jerk he's been but just giving an, us an idea of his backstory in the future which if he survives this series i'm sure we'll get uh that's going to be very important to his character moving forward so we can understand how bad is this dude really or was he the one you know is this a cycle is this a vicious cycle of you know military uh paranoia and trauma that's what's really making me wonder and, and think that maybe this is the way it's going to go and that we'll probably get that scene where we get a flashback for him and we see that maybe he is leading a group of guys into a dangerous mission in Afghanistan and he's patient. He shows the patience. He shows the leadership and the willingness to see how things play out and act accordingly to that scenario rather than be reactionary and it fails and people die that he doesn't intend for them to die maybe it's like a civilian death or something that and that's what scars him and creates this impatience and this like anxiousness in these like moments and you know maybe we'll get that maybe we won't but it is very interesting because, yeah. you know, when, like like I've said multiple times so far in this episode, like it, it just really makes you wonder 
about his past and about how he got to where he is if he's always been this way. And maybe he waited too long. Right. Maybe there was a mission where he waited too long and somebody died. I, I think from this conversation, you could make an educated guess that they've killed people mm-hmm. intentionally um, on on their overseas trips. And maybe some of them weren't the bad guys necessarily, but a means to get to the bad guy. Yeah. And Hoskins is like kind of the, the voice of, of um, reality, so to speak. And just he's he's letting him know. I would absolutely take this thing. And John, you know, little does he know, John's taking that as you need to take this. And mm. I don't know if Hoskins would necessarily do that. Hoskins probably knows that he shouldn't take it. Um, but Hoskins was never going to be the hero in this story. So John uh, gets his go ahead, in my opinion. This was the scene where Hoskins is telling John, take the thing, become your own hero. Yeah, but it's also different mindsets too, though. I mean, you have to look at Hoskins. He wants to be the hero, you mm-hmm. know, like he, he shows that and he's got that like internal compass that Walker doesn't. He's steady. Right. And yeah, like you said, it's almost like a mistake for him to say that because while he knows John Walker, it's almost like he said the wrong thing to the wrong person. And he's, you know, it's like when you say that in real life and then you're like, well, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> like, you know, a little Hagrid moment, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, um, man, it's such a pivotal scene. I, I really loved it. And after this, Carly calls Sarah, Sam's sister and threatens her family to set up a meeting with Sam. Didn't seem like she had intentions of hurting them as she mentions to Sam when they do meet, but they they come together. She requests him to come alone, and this time, Bucky's not letting him go alone. That's that's not happening anymore. And I, I agree with his decision because at this point, you can no longer really trust Carly because she's ticked. You know, she's not not happy at this moment, and she is a super soldier, and Falcon is susceptible to that because Carly seems to be one of the strongest of the group, of course. And so this is the start, really, of our final scene. It's a long final scene. Yeah. Um, but it is the start of it. And Sharon calls in to let Sam know that John Walker's moving. He's on the move. And while it seemed like for a moment Carly was being authentic and she wanted to talk, really she wanted Sam to either join him or, or join her or just leave her alone. But then immediately as they leave to go track down John, she attacks them. So everybody's fighting now. Uh, Bucky is chasing Carly and uh, Sam is is fighting uh, super soldiers and Walker is, (laughs) Walker flies into the (laughs) building as always. (laughs) He's fighting super soldiers and Lamar uh, went upstairs uh, initially by himself and we heard a gunshot and you knew based off of the way they did this Lamar just got shot well it wasn't a shot he well, got there was a gunshot and it like he hit the uh... no there was a gunshot when yeah. Lamar went upstairs and oh initially and John because to, John yeah. said Lamar and then you know you hear the gunshot right. and yeah he, he starts going upstairs and we, we don't know what's going on with Lamar at the moment, but we have everybody in a different place. And John Walker's running around this building 
and as I mentioned before, Carly is running away. Bucky's trying to track, track her down. Walker's fighting two soldiers, and uh, super soldiers that did shoot Lamar, we realize, knocked him out, tied him up to a pole. And this is when we realize John Walker took the serum. Mm. He throws his shield into the wall, and it goes about nine inches deep. Yeah. And he easily pulls it out as well. And he's fighting two super soldiers at once and is holding his own. Um, Bucky, meanwhile, uh, is beating up a separate soldier. And so they're all winning their fights one-on-one. And this is cool because, like, for the first time, they look like they can handle themselves against these uh, this group of super soldiers. And Hoskins cuts himself loose. Everything seems like it's going okay. And... Ultimately, they get to the top floor of this building. John Walker uh, gets, you know, tackled by Carly, or she's about to tackle him after they're um, fighting with other super soldiers, Bucky and and Sam and John. And initially, John was actually fighting with Sam, like kind of tag team style. But Lamar comes in and throws his body in front of John to save him. One last time, Hoskins unselfishly saves John Walker again. And she punches Hoskins so hard, as you said before, he flies back into the pole, his head snaps forward, and at the minimum it seems like he's got a bad concussion, but they walk over there and he's dead. He's done. Mike Tyson took care of him. I mean... (laughs) And what's interesting is that Carly immediately looks remorseful, regretful, but not like sad. I would say she's just like, I didn't mean to do that. You know, she didn't realize her own strength and she probably didn't realize that he was just a a mere mortal, like just a normal dude Mm because everybody else in the room seemed to be (laughs) fighting with super high tech or uh, super soldier serum and she killed them. And she runs away. Mm-hmm. All the soldiers are running away. And we're left there with Hoskins sitting dead and Walker examining him. Just he can't he can't fathom that his guy is is passed away. And now, kind of like when when Wanda realized vision's gone, there's nothing left to keep him from going ballistic. Right. We've 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 reached peak John Walker anger. It's a great parallel. It's dude. As soon as you saw again, his eyes, Mm -hmm. the actor, his facial expressions went from, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I've got the serum feeling good to, I just lost everything I've ever known. Yeah. So quickly. And she runs away because I think she realizes I, I think I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going somewhere else. And they all leave, you know, following her. And he gives us an old cat moment, jumps out, out of the building, out the window, through the window, I should say, and lands on the truck in his first kind of super uh, pose. Yeah. He gave us the cap landing on a, a car pose. And in that moment, honestly, what I said was, we have a new Captain America. No. <laughs> and yes, and that's fine. My brain was like, "Oh, that's going to be tough to beat this dude now." 
He's mm. got the serum. Yeah. So, uh, man, that scene was powerful in so many ways. And all of a sudden, they almost set it up to like you can't, you can't mourn Hoskins for too long because mm -hmm. of what was to come. And I don't know, man. As soon as he hit that truck, I was like, "Oh, this is a problem. Yeah, <laughs> this is a problem." I had a different reaction to that. As soon as Hoskins died, I was like, "Oh, well, he's evil now." <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that that became obvious. Like here we go. Like this is what I was waiting for, pretty much. In this show, was was him to become the the main big bad. He just needed that last push. Yep. And what I find to be interesting so much with a lot of these characters that we've seen over the years in Marvel is villains really aren't like, in some cases, villains really aren't like villainous for no reason. There's always an intent and they just go about it the wrong way. Like uh, Killmonger is a really good example of that. Killmonger is probably the, the best example of that in that, Really, it's life handing you horrible situations and how you go about it. And in Killmonger's case, he kind of went about it the wrong way and ended up, we, we saw what happened with him in Black Panther. He had the right intentions and the right motives to do things, but he just didn't do it the correct way. He didn't do it the, the way that should have been done. And with that, he ended up being a villain. Same thing with, with Zemo, as we said before. Same thing with Carly right here. And, yeah, it's like as soon as she hit him, it was like an instant regret because she was really starting to make this turn of, you know, I'm willing to talk to Sam. We're willing to clear some things up, try to find a peaceful resolve. Then all of this happens. And... I think deep down, though, she knew John Walker's the enemy, essentially, because he's the only one that's not willing to hear her out or hear anyone else out. So in that scene where they're all kind of racing to get to John Walker first, it's kind of that that's exactly what I was thinking is that, like, they all kind of know that he's the issue. He's the problem. Yeah. So, uh, man, it, it's just it's it's crazy. It's so crazy. Well, I'm curious then if so when he landed on the car I saw him right there he's an established character that is going to be really tough to deal with but you don't you didn't really get that gut feeling no what was your what was your reaction to him landing them giving him a moment uh, I thought it was just more of a villain moment and that he's not going to be I don't think he'll part of me thinks he'll be around for a little while but part of me also doesn't think he will uh, because sure. of what happens in the end. Because uh, I've got a lot of different th opinions on what could happen with him, but, like, yeah, it, it just it didn't. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I mean, I could see him dying this series for sure. Yeah. Um, but I could also see him lasting a long time if they, you know, so choose. I just, as soon as he hit, I'm like, oh, that's a real villain or that's yeah. a real. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So you did see that. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, like, he's an established villain now. Yeah. Because you saw the tendencies. It's like, yeah. It's like if we got. Like well, he's, already a, have, he's like, a real threat. Yeah. Is what basically my, when I say, oh, he's the real Captain America, Captain America doesn't have to be good or bad. To yeah. me, it's just like, as soon as he landed, it was like, he's oh, we got to worry about that guy now. Right. You know? So right. yeah, that, that was, that was kind of my, my fleshed out thought was I didn't take him seriously, but now, now not only does he have the powers, but he has the motive. Yeah. So as soon as he jumped out that thing, that was the first time, even in his fights, he was just beating people up with 
with uh, his super strength. When he jumped out that window, it was like, oh, he doesn't care anymore. He's, he's, <laughs> he's legitimate now. Yeah, like he's scary now. Yeah. And this next scene, it's the same scene for the past like 10 minutes. He's running down Carly. He needs to get to Carly. She she killed his, his boy. And did you notice what we got here? A little, it, what maybe not a shout out, but something very similar from an, another certain superhero when he was looking for her. No. Where is she? Oh, yeah. Did you hear the, 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 the guttural way he said it? <laughs> Where is she? I mean, it sounded exactly like Christian Bale. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Uh, and he was using, uh, was it the wall or a trash can or something? It was something like cement thing as a shield. And, boy, he needs to get to Carly, but all he can see is this one poor guy. Yeah, the the friend of near hers. the near the fountain. Yeah. Yes, that was like kind of like a brother figure, I guess. And he probably, honestly, he probably broke his back before he even did any of that stuff to him because he threw that shield at him two or three times, yeah. hit him right in the spine, knocked him over, and yeah. <laughs> and and what you saw there too is once again he's now a super soldier. Yeah, but it's in the bad intent. It brought out the evil in him that serum really did because now he's acting super irrationally because instead of yes your your best friend died to Carly but you have to kind of understand what's going on around you and he just became blinded by but the he's hatred. shown he's never had that ability yeah exactly so I, so that super soldier serum really I think brought it out even more. It could be. I, I would I would venture to guess that it's possible. He just sucks at that but, in general, and he just got stronger, and so he was able to pursue his evil instincts or whatever. I mean, it, you may be right, and, and we're not really disagreeing, but it's just nothing is, is proven right now, so we're all just kind of speculating on what this, this serum does. What I, what I do find interesting in this final scene, though, is he kills the guy, is that everyone's around them with the phones out. And we see this throughout the episode. We see people that see them, and they bring their phones out, and they're recording them. Like, at all times. That's Anytime true. Anytime there's yeah. a public scene, you see somebody in the background with a camera holding like, a phone out recording them. Um, Except for when the police stop them. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the one time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it... And in the end, you know, the whole, the episode is called, like, the whole world is watching or something yeah. like that. In the end, you don't see exactly what you saw from Carly. Carly killed Hoskins. She instantly felt regret. She runs away. When he kills this guy, he sees everybody around him with the phones out, and he knows he's Captain America, and that he probably shouldn't have done that, and he's Special on a world stage, yeah. but... He's like, you guys will respect me now. He didn't because care. Because you see the blood dripping off of this shield. You see what I'm capable of now. Respect me. There was no remorse on his face. Nope. There was no regret. There wasn't even embarrassment of, I just got caught. Nope. It was like, he didn't care. It was like, I don't know if I feel good about this, but look what I just did. It's yeah. like a dog bringing in a, or a cat bringing in a mouse or something. Right. Like, <laughs> they're all recording you. And he. He looked a little surprised. Like, it was almost like, oh, people are recording me. Oh, yeah, you're Captain America. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, everywhere you go, it, like, we don't see it that much because they, they don't have the time to do this. But 
whenever we see news programs, it's always about the Avengers. Because mm-hmm. obviously, if the Avengers were real, they would have news programs covering them all the time. There'd be and, an Avengers News Network. <laughs> right, right. Hey, what is that? A A N N. Oh, <laughs> did you say W? Nope. Oh, okay. Um, but and, and immediately I I thought, and I mentioned this to you earlier, uh, Black Panther. I said this is the difference between a true Avenger and a pretender. And he was so filled with rage, he completed the the murder, and. It also called back to Captain America when he had the chance to kill Tony Stark. His helmet was off. He was he could have decapitated him if he felt like it. As you said, it was a flashback. Exactly. Yeah. The way the, it was shot. Exactly. The yeah. the looking up at uh, Walker versus uh, Steve and the way the shield was coming down. In you know at the time we all thought oh one of them might die you know Captain <laughs> America and Tony so we we thought we thought it was a possibility and he didn't because that moral compass was stronger than the rage he had. Yeah. And with Black Panther, with Claw, when all the cameras were out, Black Panther's like, the final journey, the place we're going with all this is more important than this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to take a step back and say, we can't do this if we want to be the ones that are governing. You know, we don't, we need to be a better example. And here, John was like, nope, I don't care. Yeah, I'm in a crowded area next to a fountain where the blood's probably going to be like turning the fountain red. Like <laughs> he picked that sh- that shield up and they showed, I don't know how many times he hit him, but he was like four-ish or so. I mean, he, it looks like he's either lost his head, his chest, or he's just deeply cut mm-hmm. in his abdomen. And the blood was all over the shield. They didn't show us the actual shield hitting him, but they gave us some muted sound effects. It wasn't quite like yeah. the squeamish sounds that um, would come, or squeamish is the way I would act when the sounds come on. But there, there wasn't a blood curdling noise. But the effect was there. This is the MCU where they avoid brutality every chance they can. And when they do make something really, you know, get it, it's usually a machine or an alien or something we don't relate to. Yeah. And this time... And it's also in the background. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the human... Like, Scarlet Witch, like, ripped Ultron's heart out. You know, there's an example of some gross thing if that Mm. happened to a real person. Yeah. But, I mean, they murdered another human who honestly didn't do anything wrong. That guy has shown no threat to and anybody was, this episode and he was like in a place where he was like i yield basically yeah he he gave up he was like yeah. dude you've incapacitated me with your shield i am no threat to you and ironically carly was like 20 feet away in the crowd and his rage he was trying to hurt carly he couldn't even see that through yeah he he killed the first easy target mm-hmm. like this dude's got no boundaries he's got no idea of what he actually wants to accomplish he is the biggest threat because he has no compass, good or bad. It's just, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just ticked off. Yeah. Uh, just completely reactionary. Oh, he's driving so me crazy. I was yeah. so upset at this guy. Yeah. And what I thought, well, like you said, was interesting is like, you know, how it is shot the same. When you look at Steve's face when he is, you know, incapacitating Tony in Civil War, it's completely different. 
completely different facial expression, which is such an interesting thing is like you're seeing like instead of parallels with the two, they're just completely like they couldn't be more opposite from each other. You know, we mentioned it with him being brought out as the new Captain America with a gun on his hip. Yeah. We, we, I mean, every turn we go and in, like we've said a lot this episode too, Steve had that moral compass. This dude has zero compass, morals, ethics, anything like sense, there's nothing direction, nothing idea, nothing. Exactly. Uh, well-fitting helmet. Whack. <laughs> yeah. Everything's just whack. His stance. Terrible. Whack. His ideas. Whack. <laughs> I just, dude, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, I honestly never thought we'd see that much blood in a Marvel yeah, show, very interesting. movie, mm-hmm. anything. When's is the, this the goriest? I was going to say, when's the last time we've even seen like a lot of blood? Like Quicksilver? When he, the blood's yeah. coming out of the bullet holes? And that's covered by a shirt. Yeah. Like we've never saw, we've seen a mechanical arm being ripped off. It's we've always something mechanical or alien or something you can't you know, relate to. Exactly. Things have been aliens have been torn apart in the MCU, but we can't relate to an alien. It's just not the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it was it was shocking to me. Uh, and, you know, you got to remember, this is all relative. If we were watching something else, you expect that sometimes. But with the MCU, You're this not. show is covering things that we never thought we would see in a Marvel universe. And it's not because it's Disney. It's not because, Oh, you know, will they go there? It's just like, this is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Marvel is pushing boundaries. Even like Batman doesn't usually go with that kind of gore. That was dripping blood off of the shield as he looks around almost in congratulatory, you know, smiling. It just depends. It just depends on the writing, you know? Uh, what what Marvel has done so well over the years, when you when you look at comic books instead of like the MCU or anything, they're always able to pull str- like tug at the strings that you didn't expect them to. You know, one of my favorite things in the past was uh, actually Black Panther, right? Uh, it's a very established story now that um, with the comics you had an outcry from people who are like, whoa, why aren't there like any kind of like white people in Black Panther comics? And the very next issue, he's fighting the Ku Klux Klan. Every issue after that, like the villains were white. Like that's the narrative. Like people just need to get it. (laughs) Like we need to put down all of these little things and just understand what's going on. And they're touching on issues in this show that need to be touched on. They're touching on issues that we didn't think they would. And it's great. It's perfect. Um, and it's not necessarily something you have to do in a superhero universe. Like, you don't no. have to ground them in reality based on, like, like taxes and things yeah, like but, that. But that's, you know? but but that's it's what so I'm, great. Yeah, but that's what I'm getting at, though, is that Marvel has established this since, like, early on. Because why did Marvel become popular to begin with when DC was crushing them back in the day in in the comic game? Because Stan Lee decided to make Spider-Man literally the most relatable character ever. And every character somewhat grounded in in reality. And then after that, it was like everything kind of just flowed like after that. And 
the success of Spider-Man led them into this trajectory where like they kind of make things more relatable. They make things like approachable and even the gods are literal religion, you know, based or mythology based gods. Right. Exactly. Um, So they do just such a fantastic job and it's been established for a long time, but it's still such, it's still shocking. It's still surprising. And you don't know where, you have a sense of direction of where they where it might go, but you're still like the way that they do it is just so dramatic and awesome, and I I just love every second of it. But like the brutality of of what we're seeing, I think is amazing because, like we said before, like it's just something they haven't really touched on yet. It's something that they've absolutely gotten into in the comics. Oh my goodness, yeah, man, like and there's been a lot of it suggested. Yeah. In the MCU. Right. With Sokovia, with, you yeah, know, the, 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 the dropping like massive, right. <laughs> you know, pieces of land on, you know, people are dying. Yeah. We know this. We just never had just to be confronted it. by. Right. And now we're like, oh, crap. Right. You end the episode with the blood of somebody just dripping off of Captain America's shield. Yes. Which, by the way, is going viral. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, what does the world think of the United States now? That's what I was wanting to get into. Who yeah, has 100%. their hero that they just anointed and said, "This is our, this is our guy." And he's he killing is. refugees or misplaced international people, almost for sport. Mm-hmm. What What's next? And that's a real question because I don't know. This is what I wanted to get into, man. Like, so. With John Walker's character, there is in the comics there is this uh, there is this conversation that's going on in the background. It's very similar to this, where like it's like, are you like a Captain America? Because as much as Captain America is Steve Rogers, like you're the exact opposite. You're very like braggadocious and like you know egotistical and everything that he's not and you're going about everything that you're doing the exact wrong way and this is what we're seeing here and there's this confrontation of like all right do we like need to fight you and take back the name of captain america like do we have to kill you or in this instance you know will the government kind of come into play will they look at this and say oh this is a horrible pr move we need to either sideline this dude or we need to get the shield back. He needs to go on the commissioner's exempt list. <laughs> yes. Yes. He needs to be on a no fly, <laughs> no fly uh, list or whatever. So uh, it, it will be interesting. I don't, I don't know where they'll, they'll really go with it. Cause there's just too many I options. Have no clue. They could honestly say, you know, like, well, that dude was bad. He was part of the Flag Smashers. This is what happens when you're a Flag right. Smasher. People in the We're United States America probably care. Yeah. <laughs> We'd just be sitting here doing our podcast. Right. But the thing, the, the thing about it, too, is will what he has just done actually be viewed as bad to the public in the MCU? Because if we recall in the very beginning, it seemed like a throwaway scene, but I don't think it is. The scene I was referring to earlier where they're all in the woods, they're looking at the phones, they're listening to the news. The news and the media have already portrayed them as a villainous group. Yep. So, will 
the public eye viewed John Walker as a villain because of him killing a flag smasher. I don't know. Yeah, what if the next episode starts with a uh, a news story on like a CNN or a Fox or something mm-hmm. about the the hero John Walker yeah. uh, chasing down a terrorist, you know, in the streets of Latvia. And they just completely cut out the part where he's got the blood on the shield. Right, or, or maybe <laughs> they even show it off. I I don't know. They might cuz that would set the tone of oh, <laughs> we've got a real villain on our hands because he's backed by the government through mm-hmm. and through because if they sh- if they if they back off and say whoa wait a second we didn't ask you to do this then that directly leads into a possibility of like you said the shield perhaps being taken back and then next would be you know bucky or sam to try to get it back in a way but if they double down on this guy and almost the u.s government becomes a secondary villain in this series now that that would be getting into some deep stuff and mm-hmm. i don't know if they're gonna go there but mm-hmm. I'd be really intrigued to see if they do yeah. because that would mean a lot of things. And for the future of the MCU, it'd, I don't know if they're going to go that controversial because the majority of their often, or audience is American. So that's that's tough. But I think it's something that needed to be brought to the attention, which is once again grounded in reality, grounded in what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen this time and time again where like, you know, maybe, you know, and not to get too into it, like, I'm not really one of those people, but, like, when you have people in this country that are, like, you know, vote for me because I'm going to do all of these things, and you vote for them and they don't do those things, it's like, oh, that was a wasted effort. Like, right. it wasted, you know, however many hours it took me to vote for you <laughs> of my life. So, it... it <sighs> I mean, it is something that we kind of deal with. And uh, so I, I could see them maybe going that route. Maybe, you know, kind of doubling down on John Walker. And it becomes a thing. Because why wouldn't they? They anointed this At dude. At this point, you might as well. Right. And what I think would be really interesting and what would really tie in and really make John Walker one of those characters that just gets under your skin. That's what I want. Is... If we get to episode six, he dies and is given like this military send off that's like broadcasted and like, oh, John Walker died and, you know, we're going to honor his memory like they didn't do with Steve. That would be that well, kind Steve's of. Steve's on the moon, so. <laughs> right. So, uh, I don't know, man. There's so many like alternative things that they can do, but. It just depends. Once again, it just depends on where they're going. And we don't really know 100% sure yet, but obviously it seems like he's the villain. Uh, the power broker's still out there, but like, I got a feeling we're not going to know who he is until the end credit scene of episode six. I really want to know who it is. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's going to have a bigger impact on the future than it will this series. It, yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. I don't think we're going to see the power broker and maybe until either episode six or the in credit scene of the show. Something I didn't mention before. Uh, Sharon has a direct line to the power broker. So yeah, unless, you know, the rumors are true and she is, but um, she knows the power broker. And so she is working for him or she has direct ties to him. One mm-hmm. of the two or both, I guess. So we'll see how that goes. The, the one thing I love about this is that after that end scene, 
I have absolutely no clue what the first scene is going to be next episode. Like, this is the first episode where I really can't even give a really good guess. Like, my only... I can give you a bunch of things that could possibly happen, but I don't feel confident in any of them. I don't know how they're going to treat this. I think and it'll be quiet. You a, think? A, I think it'll be a quiet intro, much like we were talking about with uh-huh. episode one, when we were kind of like making like we were like, oh, how's it going to start? Is it going to start off with a bang, or is it going to be like pretty right. quiet? Do you think it'll be a what did you just do scene? I think it'll be facing judgment from it, possibly, like a separate from, from the scene that took place. Like you think it's going to be yeah, later like on, a separate. Maybe yeah. talking to maybe somebody like a or, couple hours later, or some 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 kind of thing like that. Because it's interesting. Because when they left, Carly was in that courtyard, and Sam was in there, and Bucky was in there, and so was John, mm-hmm. and so was so many people with cameras. So it it feels like they need to at least address what happened at the rest of that scene. But even if that's the case, I don't like. I have no clue. What do you do? Yeah, that's really hard to address that because of what just happened. When Carly was standing in the crowd, I got big like X Men Days of Future Past vibes. Mm-hmm. When like Mystique is kind of like running away after the the failed attempt of killing Trask. A little easier for her. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot <laughs> easier for her. But like, just turned into a salamander. Yeah, and um, <laughs> so I I think they'll kind of go that route maybe where like it's like she's she sees him do it and then just immediately like kind of hides because she's small. She can kind of like hide behind. Yeah, and she's the got adults. her hoodie up. Right. So she can kind of like kind of disappear in the background and then kind of get away. And he's fueled in rage and he's just blinded by it. But also like in this power position where he's yeah. like, look at me, look what I just did. And Bucky and Sam, that's an interesting thing because if they can track John Walker, they could probably track Carly too. So that's a that's an interesting little scenario to think about too because, you know, the, the ties that... uh. Uh oh. Sharon Carter has. There we go. Is, uh, Had our first name, Christ. It's huge. Not too bad. Huge. Because well, if you can track John Walker, like, you could probably bank on that she can probably track Carly now, right? Sharon can do whatever she wants. So, yeah. And, and to, to go back to the Power Broker, I thought this was kind of interesting. I saw a little thing that said, uh, I guess, the website for Falcon and Winter Soldier or something like that. Uh, when talking about Madripoor on that page, they have completely cut out parts that mention X-Men, that mention Mystique, Wolverine, Dakin, or like anything that has to do with the X-Men or even, and this is huge, uh, Mandarin. So that could either be a smokescreen and say, hey, uh, Power Broker's Mandarin, or I think that we're not sense. going that way. Yeah. Because there's... <sighs> It, it makes a lot of sense, sure. It does. Because, as we said before, they kind of like to set up things for the future. And it checks all the boxes. Definitely. That guy that has spies everywhere, a villain. Ten rings. The He's got immense upcoming, power. Yeah. Long established. I mean. Uh, a well-known figure. Yeah. If, if you're the. So, let me. Let me paint. Let me paint this picture, too. If you're a super soldier like Carly is, right? Why would you fear anyone? Wish. Right? The only person you would fear is someone who has more power than you, which Mandarin with the Ten Rings, yeah, 100%, more powerful. Like, they're not like Infinity Stones, but they're on that level. Like, they're just rings that literally give you different powers. Yeah, I've seen so other movies where rings are real important, so yeah, I ain't yeah. trying to mess with nobody with a ring. So, 
the power broker easily could be the Mandarin. And if that's the case, like I said, I don't think we'll see it until, and he might kill her. That might be Carly's send off is like, she finally has to confront the Mandarin or the power broker, whoever it is. And certainly feels like her story is going to end in yeah. this show. Yeah. I don't see sure. the legs on her. No, I could see a John Walker extending the, well, well frankly, he's Captain America right now. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a real role. And, um, she is, is doing really well. And I, I, the actress is great. And, uh, I, I've become, you know, somewhat attached to her story. Uh, and I don't mean that in a positive or negative way necessarily. I just, I get it now. Mm -hmm. it, it makes more sense to me before it was a little fleeting and I'm excited to see where they go next with it. I, I want to see the power broker. Like I want to get to episode six so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, what I, I do think that there's some things that are really interesting. Like, um, I think they've kind of painted a narrative already that Sam is going to be, he's going to be getting the shield back. I really do. I think this episode kind of furthers that because I think he'd keep it. Yeah. Okay. I think he accepts it now. And I think that's what the whole journey is. This is the hero's journey. Like I'm not worthy of this. They go on this crazy mission of stopping super soldiers and all of this other stuff. But what was Steve's real intent? Like, what was Steve's real driving force? It was from what was within. What's good. So it's not really that he was a super soldier per se as much as it was. He was just a really awesome person with a great moral compass, which is exactly strong. Yeah. <laughs> which is exactly what Sam is. It, it certainly seems like Sam is the battle star. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got a great compass. He, he's grounded. He's... He can talk. I mean, he talks down supervillains. Mm -hmm. It meets them at their level. Supervillains. I don't think they use that term. But, um, I mean, he's just, he's got it all. And, and the fact that he doesn't want it makes you want to give it to him more because yeah. Steve never wanted that power. You know, he accepted it. But I always say, if somebody wants to be president, I don't want them to be my president. You right. know, I love the nomination system of like, yo, that guy over there is actually really good. I don't want somebody who seeks power. That always is it's, it's makes me terrifying. mistrust. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that journey. Bucky is going through a heck of a journey right now too. One thing I noticed uh, when Sam was in the room with Carly, Bucky was like, "Yo, he's got this. Like he knows what he's doing." And that mm -hmm. was really the first time where you saw Bucky, like, "That's my dude." They're becoming a team. You know, like. It's almost like the I can make fun of my brother, but you don't touch him. He you know? said he said he's not my partner at some point. But yeah, he's and also they're not partners. Like, he's also like you know, he's kind of like his hype man too. Yeah. So he's kind of got that little. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're business. They're they're acquaintances. What is it? Uh, <laughs> friends from work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I love that line. The office, um, dude. But they're they're just. They're companions, they're fighters, they're they're friends, but yeah, I, I get the whole we're not partners. Partners sounds kind of silly in the Sam's, context of Avengers. Sam's the guy in the office at the water cooler, probably, <laughs> as far as Bucky's concerned. Yeah, and Bucky, <laughs> Bucky's transformation, just becoming a relatable, likable person, I love it. Yeah. And Sam I, is going through – Sam is learning to use his best capabilities as his super his superpower. He's got the tech, but it's showing that his ability to speak to people 
is actually his greatest asset. The one thing I don't think we're going to get in this show, unless they do it in the next episode or if they do it in the last 20 minutes of episode six is... Yeah, we're running out of time. And it's the thing that I wanted to see the most in this show is how does this conclude for the Winter Soldier? Like, what is Bucky even doing? Like, early on, he's going to therapy and he's trying to become a, a, a better human and like really understand who he actually is and what he actually wants to do with his life now that he has it. And now that he has this freedom, what do I do with it? He's, what happens with him in Nakajima? <laughs> that seemed like such a crucial part of the show, but oh, we're two we'll episodes left. Like, the Nakajima part, at least. Yeah. Because the counterpoint would be, I think we're seeing that this is, this is their backstory. Yeah told in present time and they got a lot left yeah i think we're seeing from this show the show is telling us bucky barnes is going to be around for a little while mm -hmm. and sam wilson's definitely going to be around for a while yeah so that's pretty exciting and i don't know if we're going to get that conclusion that you're like yearning for and that i really wanted to see because we talked about we want to see bucky's journey right yeah but i think he's going to have a, a hurdle yeah we've seen how he came uh he jumped over the hurdle of the winter soldier that's one one thing taken care of. Now he needs to find his own peace. And Can't, that may just be his initial journey of this show. And then he's going to take on a mentorship role where he, he'll get fulfillment uh, moving forward. Or maybe this is his send-off. Like, we don't know. Mm. But we do have two episodes, and it's not a lot of time no. to give a farewell. So I do think we're going to get uh, some extended uh, time with Bucky and Sam in the future. I mean, that's like, what, like an hour and a half left, basically? <laughs> yeah episodes. basically wow uh and it's around the corner i'm so excited loki's coming before you know it as well uh shang chi is in september and uh black, black Widow. widows in july so yeah. we're getting very close to the finish line here for uh falcon and winter soldier or, or as i call it cap <laughs> i just i always forget this, the name of the show so i just yeah. call it cap um and i've had a bunch of fun talking about the show today i hope you guys enjoyed the episode we're going to try to keep these episodes coming out at you rapid fire. Uh, we're going to not every week, but have more two episode weeks coming up. I know it's much easier to provide some content throughout the week. So you guys don't have one episode to listen to for a seven day period. So I understand that we're seeing a lot of people uh, listen. Really appreciate that. We see a lot of people joining Facebook and uh, we are at Facebook uh, or on Facebook at the Marvel guys podcast and we're just having a blast it's been great we thank you every episode but it's becoming more and more fun every single show that we see the reciprocation yeah i don't think honestly we could thank you guys enough honestly i mean it's just so much appreciation and love i mean and we're kind of getting a little bit of affirmation in like what we're doing which once again we're really just having fun with this but like it's just uh it's awesome very awesome we're, we're very very happy to have you guys on board we'll talk to you guys soon we hope you enjoyed this episode follow us on facebook or like us on facebook join us in our podcast next friday or next saturday depending on our times uh, and we will be releasing hopefully uh, the finale um, at a, an expedited time but We'll let you guys know very shortly. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Peace.